Amen. So we've been looking at spiritual warfare, of course, and uh, and we were looking last week at how God has made provision for us, right? What's the provision that God has made for us in the context of spiritual warfare? What provision has He made? He's given us everything we need. What is the everything we need? If we want, if you really personalize that, what is the everything that we need? Suit of armor. Okay, suit of armor. And what else? The Bible. The Bible. And what else? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Okay, so now we have to go to who else, don't we? Because the Holy Spirit is God, the Holy Spirit. And who else? Christ. And Christ. Okay, and, and that's what we were looking at last week when we were, we were discovering in Ephesians chapter 6 in the, in the 14th verse, we were looking at this provision that God has made in terms of how do we put on the, the, the armor that, that Ephesians 6 talks about. Because what it is is one thing, but if we don't know how to do it, then we kind of get stuck, don't we? And, and what was the one thing that we learned last week? First of all, metaphorically, we have these, this, this armor, don't we? And what is the armor, by the way, just by review? Huh? The belt. The belt, what else? The helmet, the sword. The breastplate. The breastplate. The shield. shield. Got it. Okay, and the shoes, okay? The shoes or the sandals. We're going to take a look at some of those tonight. And we took a look at that, and we know last week that, that this, those are metaphors, aren't they? And so Paul used this language quite metaphorically, and, and we saw that really the how-to put on this, the, this armor of God was probably a little different than you expected, wasn't it? Okay, I had a couple of comments this week about... Wow, I, I wasn't quite prepared for that. I was expecting that there was going to be some things I could do and some, you know, so I was going to go through maybe a checklist or whatever. But what did we discover last week? What do you remember from last week that is the how-to to put on the whole? We only talked about the belt last week, but what, what is the how-to? I mean, what, how do you really put on the armor of God? You have to choose to. You have to choose to. What else? It has to be a lifestyle. It, it's a lifestyle. And we talked about it in terms of being in Christ. You see, because we have to look at the entirety of Scripture, don't we, to have an understanding, really, of how this works. And so, to the extent that we are living in and for Christ, that is putting on the armor of God, living in and for Jesus Christ. It's a very powerful starting place when we begin then to look at what the belt of truth is. And what is the belt of truth from last week? What is the belt of truth? The belt of the truth is the truth of Christ. Living in and for Christ. That's the belt of truth. And so we went through this whole, this whole series and we built up to the point where we were looking at putting on the full armor of God to deal with the spiritual battles. Not the war necessarily, because what do we know about the spiritual war that is being fought out there? Victory is won. The victory is won. So we're not fighting that because we're going to claim some victory. 
We're not going to do that, you see. We're, we're fighting from that victory in Christ. Okay? And so we have to focus there, we have to focus there, we have to focus there. Because it's being in Christ that is the beginning of your life. If you're not there, uh-oh, there's a big problem. Especially in the context of spiritual warfare, right? Especially in the context. So the armor is a metaphor that gives us this, it, it aids us really in taking a look at how to understand how to live out our relationship with Jesus. And so many Christians, just they just completely miss that. I come to church, I do these things, I do the churchy stuff, right? I might even read my Bible, and I, and I do all kinds of things that are very religious. But really, am I in Christ? Am I living my life for Christ? That's a powerful question that you have to ask yourself because that's the basis of our Christianity. Christ-likeness starts there. And then, of course, it starts with Christ living his life in us. In us. So he's the source. He is the source. He is the power. Ephesians 6.10. What's the power? Ephesians 6.10. Or better yet, who's the power? Okay, Christ is the power. Christ is the power. So we see that in Ephesians 6.13, it tells us that, therefore, to put on that full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. I, I like that. Because you can also say if the day of evil comes and you find yourself not standing, then you're... You better ask yourself if, if you got the armor of God on. Exactly right. I, I, I love the contrast. I, that's what I love about when we studied when we studied the the, the letter of First John, the book of First John. Yeah. It's such a great letter of contrast. You know, the light and the dark, and and and, and so forth. And and so you have to ask yourself questions. These are wonderful questions to ask as we're looking at this spiritual warfare. Because the the real question is is if I'm not standing, if I'm losing ground, why? Why am I losing ground? Last week we looked at the ground. It says that it says that we're to put on the full armor of God so that we can, when the day of evil comes, that we can stand our ground. And we're, we're going to take a look at that just a little bit more tonight. But but we don't want to lose ground, do we? Then there's no reason to lose ground, is there? Uh, there's no reason to. But do you lose ground? Can you lose ground? Okay. Great question to ask, because you can just flip it around. If I'm losing ground spiritually, if I am struggling spiritually, yes, you can start asking the question, on what basis am I doing that? It's okay to be honest, because we looked last week that the belt of truth is not only Christ and our life in Christ, but it's also, the, the, word, uh, the word picture there is also honesty. And we saw last week that we have to be honest with God. We have to be honest with ourselves. That's where we struggle. Honesty with ourselves is a, is a real struggle, I believe. And then we have to be honest with each other. So it becomes relationship in orientation, doesn't it? So there's a relationship in the entirety of this dealing with the spiritual battles in our lives. First with Christ. First and foremost, because that's where the power comes from. And then... With ourselves, because the enemy would have you believe something that is wrong about yourself. Because what do you know about yourself if you are in Christ? 
Exactly right. And how does God see you? Fully righteous. Yeah, I mean, how 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 much is fully? Uh, pretty much, I think it's all the way to the top. I don't think you can get any more in. Uh, you know, fully is still fully, and so you are you are seen as fully righteous in Christ. And we looked last week uh, before we move on at, at Ephesians about this about this first piece of armor. And I believe there is very specific reason why Paul in, was inspired by the Spirit to write in a particular order. There, was, there, there are no words that are out of, out of sync here. And he starts by talking about putting on the full armor of God, and he starts with the belt. And we looked at that last week. Why would he start with talking about the belt of truth? That's the fulcrum for every, all the rest of the armor. I love the word picture. It's the foundation for everything else. Man, if you don't have your belt of truth on, you're done. You're going to go into a battle and you will lose. (laughs) Your tunic is going to come off. There's nothing for the rest of the armor to attach to or hang on to. And it's very specific. It seems like the belt isn't that important. I mean, I... I'm not wearing a belt. But you see, spiritually, in the armor of God, the belt is the fulcrum point for the whole thing. Without it, you're, you're sunk. I mean, you have to put the belt on first. The belt of truth. Jesus Christ. The truth. And honesty. Those are the two pictures that we have to have as we move forward. And so we see what the, what the belt is. And so the the next question is, where can the context of what this belt is be found in Scripture? Besides Ephesians. Where else can it be found? The belt of truth. Where can that be found? Matthew 14, uh, John 14, 6. Okay, well, he's good because he's got a memory like... I wish I had a memory like that, so I I have to look it up. Um, That's why Google is one of my best friends. But... But the answer is in the entirety of Scripture because all of Scripture talks about Christ and our relationship with Him. All of it. It's all there. In the context of spiritual warfare and the spiritual battles that we're involved in, you don't have to just take, and my point is here, don't just look at Ephesians chapter 6 or the entirety of, uh, the entirety of Ephesians, which I asked you last week that... We'll, we'll find out who's going to be honest here in a little bit when I ask who read that. But, um, but it's not just Ephesians chapter 6. It is the entirety of Scripture. Truth. 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 I am the way. Truth and the life. And so we have to look at the entirety of Scripture when we're doing that. So, so we know that the how-to of putting on the full armor of God has nothing to do with getting up in the morning and saying, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to, do, I'm going to check them off the list. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the way you are living your life in and for Jesus Christ. That's what it has to do with. So, if we look at the context in Ephesians about living that truth, we can ask ourselves, what are some of those truths about Jesus? Only working in Ephesians. We're not going to go to the rest of Scripture. 
If we look, in fact, turn to Ephesians, the first chapter. How many read Ephesians since last Monday? I don't watch homework. How, I, I did you do it? <laughs> you go, Marvin. I was better at assigning homework. I'm not, not very good at doing it, man. You teachers are all alike. So when we look at Ephesians, you see, when we, get to, when we build to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, the reason that Paul is talking there to the church at Ephesus is that there was some, they were having some struggles, of course, like all the early churches. And so what was happening there is Paul, Paul needed to build up to putting on the full armor of God. And so what is he talking about initially? Just look in Ephesians chapter 1 and just, just look at, at what you... Just look at the truth now. These truths. Put on the belt of truth. What's the first truth? You can look in the third verse in the first chapter. What does it say? If you were going to paraphrase the third verse in the first chapter of Ephesians, what would you say? With what? How much is every? Don't you love that? So here's the truth. So Christ, the truth that is your life. In Ephesians, Paul is talking to them and he's saying through the power of the Spirit that inspired him to write this. This is God speaking through the Apostle Paul. He says, you, my friend, have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Hmm. How about the next verse? One more verse. Same chapter. Same book. What did God do? For what? To be adopted into His family. To be holy and to be blameless in His sight. Whose sight? God's sight. In Christ. There it is again. Two more verses. Verse 6. God has freely given us what? Yeah, His glorious grace, depending on which version. Not just His grace. If we only understood grace in the church, it would blow our minds. I mean, that's a whole other thing we could spend ten weeks on grace that most people just don't understand. But His glorious grace in Christ. The next one is the seven and nine verses in that same chapter. Look at that. It says that in Christ, what are we? We're redeemed. What else are we? Forgiven. What else? What else has He given us? Riches of God's grace. What else has He given us in 7 and 9? Verse 7 and 9. Wisdom and understanding. How much? It says all. All wisdom and understanding. He He has made known His will to us. It always freaks me out when somebody says, ah, I'm trying to, I'm really wondering what God's will is for my life. That's not the right question because what they're trying to figure out is, what decision should I make about this circumstance I'm in right now? That's what they really mean. Because if you really understood what God's will is for your life, it's really simple. To glorify God. That's His will for your life. In everything you think, everything you say, and everything you do, you need to live in and for Jesus Christ. That's not hard, but it is to do. 
It's hard to do, isn't it? Oh, because we have these battles going on. We have these battles going on. And so we see that, and we're not even out of chapter 1 in Ephesians yet, by the way. And these are the things that the belt of truth is all about. These are the truths. And the scriptures are filled with the truths of Jesus Christ. Just filled everywhere you read. I hope you never see some of these scriptures the same again. The rest of your life, because you look at them in the power, God's power, you see the truth of Christ and how we are to live for and in him because he's in you. That's our life. That's our life. That's how to put on the full armor of God. Now, that's not a comprehensive list, of course. And he's made all these provisions for us, of course. All in his mighty power, of course. Right? So last week when I asked you to read Ephesians 6 and think about building up to all of these truths. Excuse me. I asked you to read Ephesians to build up to Ephesians 6 about the truths that built up to Ephesians 6. And I said, so let's talk about it. So what do you want to talk about? <laughs> those of you that have read Ephesians because Ephesians 6 says that we've got all these things to put on and we now know what put on means we now know what put on means and so now we have this issue of a breastplate and now we got the issue of shoes and swords and helmets and, and we got these things that we get to put on these are, these are instruments of war aren't they? these are these are battle. We're in our fatigues now, guys. So here we are. So you read that. What questions do you have? Well, I feel the first part of it was primarily reminding the people of Ephesus what they had, what Christ had done for them. I mean, he didn't just say, give me everything. He went down just like almost like a checklist and told him, you have this, you give me this and this and this. And after reading the first uh, five chapters, I felt that what he was talking about here in chapter 6 was, okay, I, this is what you have. And basically he's saying, you're going to be attacked. This is how you protect yourself. Not that they're going to get to you, but the fact that they can discourage you. That, that's Satan's whole role. And so to me, this was a culmination of all the things that he was talking about in the first five chapters. It really is. And so what you see is that this, it, 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 this that's kind of the crescendo, if you will. The sixth chapter is the crescendo because what happens is Paul is talking about, I mean, he's talking about the gospel. He's talking, he's talking about all the things that you have. You have fully. It's all yours. In Christ. All of it. And then he talks about now, because of that, y'all, you're going to have some difficulty because you have an enemy that is formidable but has already lost. But the battles are going to be significant. You're going to struggle through some of these battles. Every one of us is going to struggle through the battles, and yet we've been given everything we need to deal with them. The question is, are we dealing with them with the everything that we've been given? And that's what Ephesians is about. Who Christ is. What we've been given. What we have to deal with these battles. Do we use the instruments 
of war, the warfare that we're in with the enemy, do we use them? Because the real question is, do we know what they are? Do we open up our toolbox? Do we open up our toolbox? Do we have... See, the really interesting thing was, and if, you were, if we were in the Roman times, we would understand this really, really clearly, but we're not. Okay? So what happens is, is that, that soldiers, and there were lots of them, and they had all this armor, right? And they also had assistance because it was a big deal to put some of this stuff on. Do you, you realize how much weight those guys were carrying around? You know, they didn't have they didn't have the materials that we that we have today, and so know about aluminum. Yeah, no, they didn't know or 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 any of those things. What's that stuff, Mike? You were a copper. What's what's the what's the stuff that that bulletproof vest is made out of? Kevlar. Kevlar. Yeah, Kevlar, and it's a super strong and lightweight. You know, they wear those things around, stop a bullet, right? Well, they didn't have that, so they had people. They had guys to help them. They, you had to have guys help them put on the breastplate. This was one heavy thing that they had to that they had to put on. And so, so if you take a look at it, they're all metaphors for, for the spiritual battles that we're going to be in. And the, and the real question is, do we know what these things are? So, for example, I mean, let's just start with the breastplate. What the heck is the breastplate? You, you ask yourself any questions? Because, see, Ephesians didn't give you an explanation. Did it. It's like, come on, God, give me a break. <laughs> can't, you just, can't you just give me a list? I like lists. But he didn't give he didn't give us a list. He just said what he said. He said, put on the belt of truth, and then the next one was the breastplate, right? Mm-hmm. And what does he say about that? What does put he do? He says to put it on. What the heck is it? <laughs> well, Webster defines it as moral or divine truth. Hmm. I and think it's Christ who is our righteousness. Okay. Well, don't you? Don't you see that we have to, we have to deal with a couple of things here, because if we're going to put on the breastplate of righteousness, we probably better understand what the heck a breastplate is. Now, see if if you were a Roman citizen, you know, a couple thousand years ago, you would go bingo. You wouldn't even have a question. But I'm not a Roman citizen, and I've never worn a breastplate, and so I got to do a little bit of work to try to figure out, okay, how does this work? So, what do we know about breastplates? Which is shield to protect your heart and your, your main organs. Okay, so it was a, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a shield. Yeah. Okay. And so, what else do we know about it? Yeah. From your, from your past, it huh? Stops the fiery darts. It stops fiery darts or, or fiery arrows, if you will. And, uh, and so, and so, how does, how big is the, how big is this breastplate, by the way? Hmm. And, and is it the breastplate that stops the fiery darts, or it's is it another piece of equipment? It's the shield. Ah, the shield is one that actually stops well, them. We're gonna, that it, probably the it could, does too. It could, but that's not what its purpose was. So the breastplate was typically made out of bronze, not Kevlar. Can you imagine a breastplate that covered this part of your body and the back part of your body and it hung over you and it's made out of bronze typically and it, and it was leather coated in some ways and there was leather strap over it. I have no idea how much these things weigh, but I, that's probably why most of the soldiers were 20. Because yeah. <laughs> when you're 60, I don't know that I can even pick the thing up, right? But so so we have this. It covers the the, the, the midsection of your body, right? And and Sally, you said the main protection is for what? The heart. For your for your heart, because that's a pretty important. If somebody got me in the kidneys, that's one thing. But if they got to my heart, that's something entirely different, isn't it? Wasn't well, there protection against the so the other guy coming at you with the 
Well, what else do we know about the breastplate? Just logically. Just in it, just by virtue of order, the order of things. What else? You had to put, well, second actually, well, because the belt, the belt, the belt went on first. So you put on the belt, and then it was set on the belt. Ah, okay. So the belt helped to hold it up. Very important. Very important. <laughs> and we know one thing. In addition, there was never a time, and this is the truth for all of the armament that the soldiers wore. They would never go to battle unless they had on the full armor. There was never a time where they ran out and left the breastplate at home. It didn't happen. When they put on the armor, it was all or none. Get it? All or none. So it's, it's a metaphor though, right? Because it says, put on the breastplate... We know what the breastplate is. Big, heavy, protecting our internal organs, predominantly our heart. That's the, the ticker is the one thing that you don't want to get a spear into, right? Because you're done. If that's the case. Okay, so that's the protection. But it's a metaphor. It says he'll put on the breastplate of what? Righteousness. Now we got to know, what is that? That's, that's Christ. Okay, righteousness is Christ. So what does righteousness mean in this context? Because the righteousness is, like all the armor, Christ in and for. And so what does righteousness mean? So, you know, when I was a teenager um, and they had the wall down here before they tore the wall down, the hippies would hang down there. And I remember this term. I was, a, I was a, I'd ride my stingray down there. And it was it was really cool. I still say cool. That's a word. That's a phrase that's been around for a long. Righteous man. Oh, that's so righteous. That guy had a, that guy had a really fast car or something, you know, and it was righteous. Or I was well rad today, but it was it was righteous, you know. And I always thought righteous meant something that was really cool or rad. But and it does in slang. But what does righteousness mean biblically? See. It's the perfection of your foundation. Okay. Your foundation is, is Christ's truth. Christ's truth from the belt of truth and the perfection of that. That's good. Okay. And what else, if you were going to define it? Keep, let's keep going. That's good. What else is righteousness? Because if you're going to put on this, the breastplate of righteousness, if you are going to be, if you are seen as fully righteous, what is righteous? Pure. What? Pure. Pure. That's good. Pure. What else? Well, I think Ephesians 5.1 says, uh, in all you do, imitate Christ. Okay. I would call that character then. Mm-hmm. Because if you're... Take on the character of The Christ. character of Christ. Christ-likeness. Righteousness is Christ-likeness because righteousness is Christ. And our full armor of God is being put on by being in Christ and living our life for Christ. It's, boy, you get the picture? Now that starts to come together now, just with this second, second piece of armament that we're putting on. And so, and what about, what about, there's, there's a couple of other things that we can't miss here in terms of righteousness, biblically speaking, because everything that's been stated here is true. But there's a couple of other things in terms of what righteousness means in your life. Okay? So if you think about living a righteous life, okay, 
how are you living in Christ's character? Purely. In Christ's power. In Christ's power. Better be in His power. Okay, (laughs) clearly, because if it's in your own power, you're you're still done. You're done. done. (laughs) You're done. If you do any of this in your own power, you're done. You will lose every battle in your own power. Okay, and so what else? If you're going to live in righteousness, if you're going to live righteously, what does that look like? You have peace. Okay, you have peace. And victorious. And victorious, okay. It's living living morally right. Ah, living rightly. Ah, see, words are fascinating. Righteous, Mm -hmm. living rightly. I, I love that. How about right living uprightness? Forthrightness. Living your life. That, those are characteristics of your life because they come in Christ's power. Okay, so this righteousness really, really means living your life in Christ in an upright way, conforming to the will of God in Christ's power. All of those things, true. That's what righteousness is. It doesn't mean perfect, though, because who's... Because there's only there's only one that was perfect, and, and although he's here, we can't see him. Amen. All right. So we know that. So how much righteousness then, if you're to put on the breastplate of righteousness, how much righteousness do you possess? All of it. Huh. How do you know that? How do I know that? Because, uh-huh. because Christ tells me. Tells me that. Mm. It's really interesting because if you want to turn now to First John, we have everything we need. How much is everything? Oh. It's everything. Okay. First John one nine. From my first John study. In terms of possessing righteousness. And how God deals with us in terms of righteousness. Because he sees you right now as you sit in this room fully righteous. And sometimes I feel like a... Sometimes I don't feel fully righteous. <laughs> Amen? As you said before, a word on a pickle. A word on a pickle sometimes. But what does First John 1, 9 say, somebody? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How much unrighteousness does he cleanse us from if we are faithful and just just to confess? All of it. You get it? See, you see, God sees you as fully righteous because as you... Here's the action now, you see, because some of this depends on us. See, because Christ already did it. The grace of justification. Justification. We're going to look at that in just a second. And so what we see here is we see... That if we're going to confess our sins, that's being obedient. And honest, the belt of truth, is honesty. Okay, Lord. I am a, I am a schmuck. Okay, sorry. Uh, forgive, please forgive me. And if you're, if you're genuinely repentant after confessing your sin, He will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You see, He can only see you that way through Christ. That's how He sees us. You know, I mean, oh boy, that makes my day. I don't know about you. That makes my day that God sees. empower you not to be a smoke for a short time. (laughs) Moment by moment, right, Harry? Moment by moment is what it's. it's, But he he gives, it's it's all unrighteousness. 
And so it takes something on our part, though, doesn't it? So as we're living for Christ, as we are in Christ, we have to do something with that. There's an expectation of us doing something out of obedience. Repentance. Confession and repentance. Turning the other way. Okay? How often should we do that? <laughs> Without ceasing, like praying, right? Yeah, because we need to, don't we? Because it's constant, isn't it? Oh, I can't, I can't get through a day. Sometimes I can't get through an hour without some... At least each time before we accept the, the cup of... Uh, At least, that's right. To be right before God, before we, before we, we, we take the, the communion meal of... Yes. Uh, the Lord's Supper at a, at, a, at a minimum, but we should be doing that. It should be, see, it's a condition of our heart, so if we're living in and for Christ, it should be, it should just be regular. Yeah. Like this. As soon as you realize that you could have the age of right now, right now, don't wait until you go to bed tonight. Right now, it's a heart thing in terms of living for Christ. So, if you're going to live the truth in Christ, it requires something of you, doesn't it? In place. After the word righteousness. Oh, in one nine. I'm sorry. I was going back to Ephesians. And then he added the word in place. Well, he says, if I confess my sins, I don't know where I don't know where you are in place. Right after Ephesians. Oh, you're in Ephesians. Okay, you're back in Ephesians. Okay. Well, just at the end of that, he added in place. Why would you needed to add that? Not in my Bible. Yeah. Will you read the whole thing, Scotty? For me? In place. Physically. Oh, oh, oh. In, okay. Physically in place, it means. Stand firm then with the belt of uh, truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate, the breastplate of righteousness in place. In its place. That is a physical, literal thing that he's talking about. Having the breastplate physically in place. That breastplate of righteousness in place. You Meaning... Just, you just hadn't gone on to the end of that and I just wondered why he needed to... It's just like it, it would be the same as if he would have said put on the belt of truth and keep it in place. He's talking about having the full armor of God on at all times. See, this is not something Scotty, I think, last week said, well, it's not something we put on and take off. Right. Well, kind of. <laughs> I, I think it's something that we have on, but sometimes we forget that we have it on. Right. And we let our guard down. That's the issue, is letting our guard down. But so we see that this, that this uh, we're, we're complete, and we're complete in Christ, and that we have this righteousness, and we have this practice, Right. And that we're being conformed to Christ's likeness even while we have the armor of God on. We're being, that's what it's about. It's about being conformed to his likeness. And then transformation, interestingly enough, that we've been talking about this a lot around here lately, haven't we? So transformation is happening as we're living in and for Christ. It has to. It's a byproduct of, of that heart condition and of, of having the full armor of God on. And, and if, if, if it's not happening, by the way, if transformation isn't happening, then you probably don't have on the full armor of God because you're not living for it in Christ. The belt of truth is probably not on 
it's a it's a powerful thing to think about because these metaphors are, are really important as we think about the armor and then what it means spiritually. So what happens when you don't put on the breastplate of righteousness? You lose. You, what do you lose? Or go back. You lose his. You lose what? Well, I don't know. You, you, you'll be miserable, let's put it that okay, way. Okay, you'll be miserable. And, and in what way? Follow that line of thinking. In what way? You'll be, you'll, you will realize that you don't have it because you will lack peace, you okay. will lack joy, okay. you will lack all the things that he has for you Okay. when you're in a condition that's outside his will. Okay, if you're in it, that's, that's, that's very true. And so now think about it. Of course, metaphorically, we have this breastplate of righteousness and it's there for us. It's there for us. And what happens if it's not on or if it's or if it's loose, or if it's any of those things. You're vulnerable. That's what I was looking for. Thank you. For the same reasons. You are absolute. And what are you vulnerable to? And what about Satan? Are you vulnerable to him? How? Spiritually vulnerable. Now get even more, dive in deeper, get even more specific. What? Vulnerable to his attacks. Vulnerable to his attacks. And how does he attack? Lies, deceit, discouragement, all the things that we talked about, the circumstances in our life that we can't control that just, I'm not going to use the word I'm thinking of because then I'd have to ask for forgiveness. (laughs) All those things, they happen, don't they? And so, and I'm not saying all of those things are rooted in, 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 in demonic activity, but they can be used by the evil one to deceive you further and then cause even more and more and more battles in your life. So you open yourself up to vulnerable attack. And so, and, and really that's the implication, isn't it? Without it, you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable to attack. To the sophist. Right there. Christ is one of the victors, but we must claim it. You must claim it, absolutely. Yeah. Not only that, you have to verbalize it and claim it. Uh, we're going to actually look at that in terms of in terms of, of some some more how tos as we go as we go forward. So so your heart, as Sally said is the most vulnerable internal organ that you got. Amen? Some of you probably even have, I don't know, anybody here have a bypass? Have you had a a heart bypass? A quadruple bypass. Marvin's had a quadruple bypass. Okay. I mean, I go first class when I do it. Yeah, you do. So, we know that about you. You know, in fact, the only thing we don't like, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so, so you've had a quadruple bypass, and when that was when that was going to happen, when when you were informed that you were all plugged up and you need to have this done, that's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah. Did you feel vulnerable? Yeah, because the doctor told me if you hadn't come in, uh, you could have keeled over any time at ninety percent blockage. So, uh, yeah, I had a good doctor. You had a good doctor, and so spiritually speaking. Because of this metaphor of the breastplate, what we have is, is we have the heart being protected primarily, okay, and other internal organs as well. 
But but the heart is the thing that was most important that this breastplate protected. Because I tell you what, uh, you know, if you're if you're not living in for Christ, what's the point of even having the armor? I mean, there are people in churches, lots of people in churches, that don't have the slightest idea about the about the full armor of God. And if you look at their lives, it's pretty clearly it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear because they're not living in or for Christ. And so what happens is, is that it's like their life is like a constant battle. Constant, 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 constant. When God has given us everything that we need. You know, Proverbs 16, 2 speaks to that. says to a man his ways seem pure, but God Amen. knows his heart. Amen. Amen. Well, he knows That's, our weak spots, too, so... Who knows our weak spots? Satan. Satan. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I just I should clarify that. Well, so if you talk about the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, you have to think about whether or not you're sitting in church for a really long time, and whether you have even the slightest clue, even the slightest clue about what might be missing in your own spiritual life, because a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't have an understanding of what's missing in their spiritual life because they've been ignoring, quite frankly, what God's clear instructions are to us. Okay? And those... Are you going to have spiritual battles even though you put on the armor of God? Yeah. All the time. All the time. The difference is, is that you're equipped if you put on the full armor of God versus not being equipped. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference. Well, Bill, so we in, have, in that regard, I think one of the problems in the past, a lot of people in the church have never been exposed to exactly what we've been exposed to here in the last few And you know me, I've been in church for 70 years, and uh, I've never had any kind of a detailed study of this bringing out all the way. To me, it's, I to say, I've been around a lot. Well, and, and that's and that, thank you for that because you know what, Marvin, it's really important because that's that's one of the things that's really important for us to do, right? Is to be in the Word of God, and we're going to see that as part of the armor as well, aren't we? We're going to see that, and so as we look at this, you know, this 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 breastplate of righteousness, and we think about it as Christ, and we think about it as uprightness, living rightly, as 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 Mike said. Um, um, you know, with integrity and a lifestyle that brings glory to God, if we if we look at it that way, um, we now all of a sudden Matthew six thirty three that says, "Seek ye first the kingdom of God." Right. So if you're seek, if you're living your life in such a way that you're always seeking first God's kingdom, God's purposes for your life, Christ likeness in your life, you see that is putting on. That's the putting on that Paul is talking about. So it, but you got to choose, don't you? You got to choose. You got to choose. See, because God's already done everything. See, Christ has done it for us. There's nothing we can do, except in this case, we have to choose. Nothing for salvation, but you got a lot of things to do to put on the spiritual armor that God has fully given you freely, all of it, and you just have to appropriate it by living in like and for just, Christ. I like to keep it simple. And God God gave us his mission statement, his game plan. Mm-hmm. It's the first great commandment. 
of God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That's pretty simple. That's, That's pretty simple. Okay. That's your purpose and your game plan. So here, here's another one. Here's another one. Somebody recently told me, wow, um, I'm learning some things here that I didn't know before. Some of it's pretty convicting. Conviction, you know, is a really positive thing. We always think of being a conviction. I think about it as, you know, I'm convicted, I'm going to prison. No. No, biblically, conviction is a very powerful, positive thing because conviction is the first step to what? Change. Repentance. Exactly right. So being convicted is a good thing. That's God speaking to you. That's all it is. I want to be convicted as much as I possibly can because that's, that's God speaking to me. So I love that. So, so simply stated that if you are living your life for Christ... Especially according to Matthew 6.33, seeking him first. All that really means is that, you see, that relationship in your life is the most important one. So the question is, is it? Because that relates to the full armor of God, doesn't it? Because the full armor of God being put on means that you are living for and in Christ. That's the most important thing in your life. To glorify God with everything you do. It ha- it's, that's the most important. It doesn't, mean that, it doesn't mean that the Corvette in the garage is bad. Quite conversely, the Corvette in the garage is good because you know who owns it. Yeah. It belongs to God. Right. He lets you drive it. There's nothing wrong with a Corvette. There's nothing wrong with, a, there's nothing wrong with having two houses. or, or you know, There's nothing wrong with stuff. Unless it's the stuff that gets in the way of your relationship, which is the most important thing. That is the most important thing. God wants to, to he wants you to live your life. He came to give us life abundantly. But don't forget, that's not financially abundantly. That's spiritually abundantly. And yet, seeking him first and all these other things being added unto you. I mean, we are materially blessed, are we not? Okay, we are materially blessed. We could, we could be living in Haiti. Huh? Powerful. And we're going to Mexico next year. Tomorrow? No, Friday. And we're going to go down there for a family that's, that's living in a cardboard shack. And we're going to build them a house. It's an eye-opener. I mean, it's a radical eye-opener in terms of living our life abundantly, both spiritually and materially. Ephesians 6.15 then says that we're supposed to put on some kind of shoes. <laughs> now, when you read that, <coughs> what in the world does that mean? That means that you're you're basically uh, predisposed to be confident and and on good footing and okay okay the um, most of you probably have a, an NIV um, so I I just made a note of it in the in the uh, in the NLT the New Living Translation uh, it says this in uh, Ephesians six fifteen for shoes. Mr. Spiritual Warfare Person, Miss Spiritual Warfare Person, for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. What? Fully prepared for what? For the battle. For the battle. Awesome. 
for the battle. Because it says in the NIV, of course, that you're probably reading, it says, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So there's this whole thing about these. Now we've got to go back and look at the sandals again, don't we? Because it's, as part of, because it's a metaphor, and yet the sandals were real. Okay? They did not have boots. They didn't even have shoes. They wore sandals. And what do you suppose a Roman soldier's sandals looked like? They had spikes on the bottom. They had nails driven through. What are they made out of? They're made out of leather. What else do we know about about Roman soldier sandals? They laced all the way up the leg. Cool. What a fashion statement, huh? Because remember, the tunic was all tucked into the belt so that they were free and they could run and they could and they could battle. And so, you know, so they have these leather sandals that were laced all the way up to the knee. And they, not all of them, but most of them had nails or spikes driven through them for that traction, that stability that, 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 um, that was mentioned earlier. And what else? Why did they wear sandals? Because, you know, a lot of people during that time didn't wear shoes. To protect your feet. Okay, to protect your feet. And what else? They wouldn't slip or stumble. That's, that's what John was saying. And what else is going? And what else? Why else would they wear sandals? Rocky ground. Rocky ground. Okay. And so because it was rocky ground, why would it be important if it was rocky ground and they had these sandals on? Keep them in balance. Keep them in balance. And so generally when they were in this, when they were in this warrior mode and they were going out into battle, what did that look like? Where They walked. Had to walk there. Yeah. They had to walk a long ways, generally speaking. So these Roman soldiers would go to the battle. It wasn't often that the battle came to them. They went to the battle. And so as they were equipped, now we're talking about warriors that are really well equipped here. Well, they got the belt. Absolutely. Now the now all of a sudden what you're shod with becomes pretty important for that stability. It becomes pretty important for the distance that you have to travel. It becomes pretty important that there's that there's spikes. I often wondered if they kicked people, you know. I don't know if you can kick somebody with that big heavy breastplate on, but but they had spikes for for excellent traction. It, it becomes pretty important. And so the, the sandals then are a metaphor for something that is talked about here in Ephesians uh, 6.15. And what is it? Keep their feet cool. Uh, keep their feet cool? Yeah, so they didn't get, you know, hot feet and hot feet. Haven't, haven't heard, I haven't thought about it that way, but they didn't have shoes. They, they didn't have shoes at the time. Okay, so it wasn't like it wasn't like it was, um, you know, because I wear Tevis instead of, you know, I can choose. But, but, but if but if it's it's metaphorically, what? Because it says, I mean, let's read it again in the NIV. And and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So, so the sandals are a metaphor for what? It says so right there. We just read it. Yeah. Joy and peace. Okay, for what? Joy and peace. For, okay, for joy and peace and for and keep going. What else? Keep 
keep following that. So you're, you're equipped to be ready. Oh, okay, there's a readiness for it. Confidence. There's a confidence and a readiness. See, this is a part of the, of the spiritual armor that's necessary so that you are completely confident, you are completely stable, you are completely grounded, you are completely ready. And what are you ready for? Spiritual warfare. spiritual warfare. Now the context here for being ready for spiritual warfare is driven home to us because the writer of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, through the power of the Spirit says, what is the readiness that we are to be prepared to do? Again, metaphorically. <coughs> Say it. Stand strong. To what? Stand strong. Okay, stand strong. Six fifteen. One more time, and then tell me what you're supposed. You're what you're supposed. What is that, Ernie? Okay, Ernie got there. We're supposed to be fitted and ready. All of those things are absolutely true. And readiness for the gospel of peace. We have these sandals that are providing us with the stability and the traction and we can get to the battle and we're going to be way more prepared because we have got the armor. This is part of our armor. And we're prepared for the readiness that comes from the gospel, which is what? The good news. The The gospel of what? The gospel is good news, but the gospel of what? He says the gospel is good news of peace. Isn't that fascinating when you stop and think about spiritual warfare? That there's a gospelness and you're supposed to be ready for it for the gospel of the good news of peace. Wow, it almost reminds me of peace through strength. Isn't that Jesus? I'm not talking about it in warfare now, but, but where does our strength come from? Christ! You don't have any on your own. You can't fight one of these battles on your own. Well, you, you, you do. <laughs> But you make a mistake, you know, and me too. We can't do it on our own. So the picture then is, is that, that that's how we're supposed to be with the gospel. Now let's, let's contextualize it to today. What's the gospel? Hey Bill, it says here to stand. Yes. All right, we're to stand against the whales of the devil. Yes. It doesn't say charge. It doesn't say... Uh, run away. It doesn't, it doesn't, well, whatever. He doesn't yes. say, it doesn't give you anything other than to stand. He just says it. it it's fully a, armored. It's a picture if you're fully armored. Your darts of the devil, your shield is taken care of it. Your other, the things you're equipped with, does all the defending of you in that, at that time. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. And so, as you contextualize that now, and as you apply that right now, so, if you are going to, in 2016, stand, and stand firm, and not give up any ground, for the sake of the gospel, 
And the gospel is the good news, right, John? Okay. Can you explain that? Can you explain the good news? Can you explain the gospel? Are you ready in spiritual warfare? Perhaps it's with somebody. Maybe even in the church. God forbid. And there's a spiritual battle. And your readiness to share the gospel, the gospel of peace with somebody. Can you do that? Can you do that in 20 words or less? Ooh, see, it starts getting scary, doesn't it? When was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? We're talking about spiritual warfare here because if you're going to share the gospel with somebody that doesn't know it, they're in the darkness. You're in the light. Oh, challenging. 1 Peter 3.15. You don't have to turn there. This is what it says. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it with gentleness and respect. That's a New Living Translation again. Can you explain it? Spiritual warfare. You've got the armor. This is what he's talking about. Can you explain the gospel? Somebody start throwing them out there. What is the gospel? Jesus died for, Jesus died for your sins. Perfect. What else? John 3.16. John 3.16. That says? For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. Only begotten Son. Okay. And, and, okay. and why did He give us His Son? So that we wouldn't perish but have eternal salvation. Oh, because we're sinners in need of salvation. And we would have that through Jesus Christ. Okay. And so, uh, great. Here's the gospel. Maybe there's a couple of other things that you might add. Don't you love that? People in the church think that they have to preach a sermon to somebody to share the gospel when all you have to do is, A, live your life. If you're living your life for and in Christ, that's gospel enough. But if you have to use words, then just tell them, you know, hey, God loves you. And you know what? And he sent his son, Jesus. And he took the penalty that you could never pay. He took it all because of his love for you. Okay. And there's the gospel. He paid the debt, right? If you have on, metaphorically, those sandals, and you are on such firm footing that you are in a battle that you need to share the gospel of peace, which is what the sandals represent, can you do it? I'm confident that you can. The bigger question is, will you do it? (laughs) Will you do it? You see, because Satan is going to use condemnation... Right? Oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. And even deception, we know that. He's the great deceiver, isn't he? We know that. And so, he always is going to attack the grace of God because he is the opposite of the grace of God. And it's the grace of God that would get you to share the gospel with somebody in the first place. It's God's grace that this whole thing is based on. We're nowhere without the grace of God. So the question is, knowing how important this is, when was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody, by the way? Do I always feel like after I was in a situation, I wish I would have said this, or I should have said that. I just, I feel like there's, I I don't see the opportunity for whatever reason right then, until I'm away from it. 
Anybody else have that experience? Where you, you, you know, you, you, you've talked to somebody and you say, oh, I wish I could have. Then there's other people. I know, I know, I'm thinking of two people that are sitting in this room right now that are, that have been blessed and they have been given a gift. And they will walk up to anyone, anywhere, at any time and lovingly just share Christ's love with that person. They don't even have to know them. They could do it on a street corner. Because I've seen them both do it. <laughs> you know, that's all I know. You know, and it's just that. It's just, but it's important. I mean, how many times have you done that? Walking on a. If your foundation, if you are so secure in your. in your. in the gospel, put it that way. If you are so secure in the gospel. You've got those things. Man, they are laced up tight. You've got the spikes on. You've just walked. 20 miles. And there's a spiritual battle about to take place. Are you comfortable enough to share the gospel? And maybe I appreciate that, Linda, because I, I've been there. Oh, I should have. I've been there where I've had the conversation with somebody thinking when I was having the conversation, should I? Should I? Should I? And then I don't. For me, there's two kinds of spiritual warfare that I encounter with sharing the gospel with people. Number one, if they don't believe in Genesis 1-1, you, you can't even go there. Because, I mean, it's everything is based on this. If they're confrontational. If they want to be confrontational and doubt the veracity of this, then you go to apologetics. The architectural, the historical, the eyewitness accounts, the, his, the Roman his, uh, uh, historians like Josephus and Linnaeus that were actually didn't didn't believe weren't Christians, but they basically told of Christ and what he did. You have to know these things. Uh, thermodynamics, the law of thermodynamics. You can see Christ in that. The law of DNA. Uh, there is a great course that every person should see, and I, I mentioned this to Tyler the other day. It's called uh, the Truth Project. It's the biblical wor- worldview of the way of everything is from creation to history to politics, and then there's the secular worldview. And if if you saw that, you would understand it. But the other kind, the other kind of, of uh, discipling that I have done is. In sales, timing is everything. If people are on the mountaintop, they're not listening to you. The, the time that I'm most effective in discipling dis- or sharing the good news with people is when they're having problems and, and then connecting the dots for them and how sin is bondage and that type of thing. People are searching for things. I have people all the time that are worried about the economy and what's happening to our debt and the culture of our country. And... And because of my economic background, I can explain to them their economic concerns, but those are basically effects. The cause is god- godlessness and immorality, and then I can get into into this part of it. But you know, I, it's for me, it's not one size fits all. I have friends that are very confrontational, and so I'll I'll go with C.S. Lewis and James Kennedy and 
uh, apologetics type of thing. Sure, and you can you can present the four spiritual laws. You can do all that yeah. all you want. You know, and it's you're right. Everybody is in a different place and trying to be discerning. But but it is is a is a challenging thing to do. On the other hand, on the other hand, this this is talking about in spiritual warfare sharing the gospel and being prepared and confident and secure in your ability to do that. And you see, we're supposed to do that. That's part of the spiritual battle. And, and the issue is, 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 is and, and you do that with the gospel. So the question is, of course, how many gospels are there? Well, there are a plethora. There, there are many world religions that would share that they have a gospel for you. Okay? And they would, they would share a gospel. But, but Satan uses that because he uses those other gospels, the false gospels, to, to spread false religion, false belief, he, to cast doubt. Even to cast doubt when you, like, I appreciate that, Linda, again, because you're talking to somebody and maybe you should share the gospel with them because they're really struggling right now. Uh, you know, you want to share it with them, but you're not quite, you don't know if they're quite ready. Well, really, are they. You know, I, I don't know if they're ever going to be ready. I don't know where their hearts are, really. But we're commanded, really, to, to share the gospel. And see, if you don't have a firm foundation in the gospel, you can be easily deceived, right? You have got to have a firm foundation. Because otherwise, you can get discouraged, scared. Because it's fear that mostly gets a, prevents us from sharing with somebody. It's fear. Or, or you can be filled with even doubt. Because then Satan would use the doubt, oh, I couldn't have or I should have. But, so now you're doubting, right? And so now Satan even uses that. That's part of the warfare. He'll use that against you. You know, so, so what's the first line of defense so that that doesn't happen? Have your sandals on. Share the gospel. Paul, uh, in, in, in the book of Romans, in Romans 1, 6, um, you know, Paul talks about not being ashamed of the gospel. Um, uh, and, and he was a pretty assertive dude, wasn't he, Paul? I mean, you know, I mean, in chains. I mean, this was a this was a man sold out, all in for the gospel. I mean, you could see his faith in everything he said, everything he did. I, I mean, it, it was all in. So the gospel, really. I mean, that that was his faith. And so, and so, if if you if you think about it, you know, what do you need to do to strengthen your faith as it relates to the gospel? Do you need more faith, by the way? Wait a minute. Everybody that needs more faith or would like more faith, raise your right hand. <laughs> Is it available to you? Yeah. You just need to exercise it. Okay. Exercising it. And so, so in regards to Paul in Romans 1, 6, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Paul's not ashamed. Brim is not ashamed of the gospel. She's waiting for that right opportunity. No, I'd walk down the street and you talk share to with many people. people I that I've never helped lead somebody right. of that faith. So I have right. no idea even what they believe. So it's going to be something else to do this. That I, would help share, me. I would share with you that in Ephesians 5.16, that metaphorically... Uh, when when God's word says um, uh, in the NIV, and with your feet fitted with the readiness, the sandals, the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, I would submit to you that in the spiritual realms, in spiritual battles, that is talking about a not being ashamed and b sharing your faith 
at any moment. Being ready. You see, because when the arrows come, if you're not ready, you're doomed. But if you're ready, as we're going to see with the shield of faith, guess what? You're ready. And with the sandals, being ready is being prepared. Know the gospel. And reduce it to ten words if you have to. It's okay. And wait for the opportunity because if you want to strengthen your faith, you must share your faith. You have to be ready. Who's ready? That's the question. Hmm. So there's a challenge. Paul said it well in verse 19. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Hmm. Yeah, the mystery of the gospel. Boy, and it is certainly a mystery. It's a mystery to believers. I don't know how... I got a lot of questions for the Lord when I get to heaven. I'm telling you, I got a lot of questions. It's it's a good thing that we're going to be there for an eternity because about half of that time I'm going to be asking questions, I'm sure. I'm just sure. But So what we see is, is that these shoes, again, metaphorically, are... Preparation for being ready for being stable and certain about the gospel and sharing your faith. That's what you got to put it into practice because that's what he's talking about here. And doing it. You want to strengthen your faith? Your faith. Your faith. You want to strengthen your faith? There's nothing you can do with my faith. But if you want to strengthen your faith, I'm serious. If you want to strengthen your faith, pray that the Lord would put somebody in your life soon. His timing is perfect. But pray that he would do it soon so that you could just share your faith. Simply, respectfully, and do it scared. Lovingly. Lovingly, and do it scared. You want to see your faith take off like a rocket? Share it. You see, it's not to be, we're not supposed to just keep it in here. We're not supposed to hide it. And that's what Paul is talking about here. So regarding the spiritual warfare that we've been talking about for nine weeks now, what are the things that we need to remember so far? We need to know our enemy. Okay, that's good. What else do we, what else do we need to, to, to remember so far? We have to know your Lord also. We have to know our Lord also. Uh huh. Okay. All right. What else? Well, the enemy is under our feet. Okay. So those sandals are piercing him. Uh, okay. 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 To do the right thing. All right. In a sense. Yeah. Okay. All right. What else? We're fighting from and not not for the victory. Very. It's very comforting, isn't it, that we know that we've we've won. See, we doesn't mitigate what we're going to be going through during the middle of the story, but but we know the end, don't we? Okay. What else? It's a lifestyle. It's our life. That's our life. Christ is. You want to put on the full armor of God? You start by Christ being your life. If Christ isn't your life, you do not have on the full armor of God. You just don't. Not because I said so. Because that's what the Bible teaches. You have to choose also. It's your choice, isn't it? 
Because it's already there. He's already given us everything that we need. All you have to do is appropriate the full armor of God. That's why we're going through this. Even metaphorically, we're taking a look at it so that we know what it is. But we start, the belt starts with Christ. That's it. It starts there. It starts there. I wrote a couple of other things down here. We've also been delivered from darkness to light. Everyone here is delivered from darkness to light. And you are a child of God. Don't forget that. And that we have these attributes of God, every single one of them, and every single one of God's promises, you can claim. You can claim every single one of His promises. You know, because God is the promise keeper. He is. You can do all of these things in the spiritual realms with with God's power, not your own. Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13. In his strength, not your own. The enemy will attempt in every way, shape, and form to accuse you and cast doubts. You want to deal with doubt? Share your faith. But at church, they said that I probably should. I want to grow. Oh, no. That's the devil talking. That's what that is. That's what that is. Being honest with God, being honest with ourselves, and being honest with each other is the second part of the belt of truth. Responding to the truth that God shows us about His will for our lives, responding to it, that's righteous living. If you want to live according to the breastplate of righteousness, then respond to God's will for your life and live rightly, as Mike said. And the vast majority of spiritual warfare, of course, is mitigating by living in and for Jesus Christ by faith, right? Living in and for Jesus by faith. You want to deal with the vast majority of the spiritual battles in your life? Live in and for Christ. Not all of them are going to go away. But you know what? Satan can't touch that. And in fact, says the Bible says that he will flee from you. We're never to flee from him as we've, as we've seen. He will flee from us as we live this way. By choice. Because we're appropriating everything that God has given us. So when, when that's our life... When Christ is our life, the enemy is displeased and he tries to do everything he can to come between you and that relationship when that is the most important relationship there is in your life, your relationship with Christ. That's the belt, the breastplate, and the shoes. But according to God's word, there's more, (laughs) isn't there? Okay, because if you go to Ephesians 16, we'll, we'll close with this. 6.16. Ephesians 6, 6.16 starts this way. Don't you love therefores and that kind of stuff? It says, there's not a therefore in 6.16. In addition to all of this, he says, in addition to the belt, in addition to the breastplate of righteousness, in addition to the sandals that are going to give us the stability and the certainty of the gospel, 
There's more. Oh, you betcha there's more, isn't there? And what's the more? The shield, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. And we can't forget prayer. Praying in the Spirit. And I'll tell you what, these are powerful. And next week, as we take a look at the shield of faith, now I'm going to have you do more homework. I want, you to, I want you to pray about and I want you to think about the shield of faith. And I want you, if you want to, you can have some fun with this. So, Google if you want to. It's fine. Uh, or if you have some commentaries and you want to read this, that's fine. Use a resource and, and try to determine what the shield was in the Roman Empire for the Roman soldiers. How those shields were made... And how many different kinds of shields there were during that time? And see what you can determine and come back next week. Just on that one topic, here's your homework assignment. On that one topic, come back and let's talk about what was learned relative to how this shield was built and how the shield was used to deal with the flaming arrows that were coming at those shoulder, soldiers. I just can't talk to that for some reason. And, and then think your way through biblically, from a biblical worldview, what the shield of faith is metaphorically. And we'll talk about the shield of faith next week. We'll talk about the helmet of salvation next week. And we might even get to the sword of the Spirit. And we'll probably start another 10-week series on prayer because when we have to learn how to pray in the Spirit... My gosh, what does that mean? Pray in the Spirit. Hmm, that's something else to meditate on and think about. Because we're going to know when we're done with this. Because the full armor of God is not complete without it. Amen?